Before we read the scripture text of today's sermon, let me give you a short background on how this sermon came about. As you know, Pastor Dan has been speaking much this past month about the fear of God, which is found throughout the Bible. In fact, 52 times from Genesis to Revelation, you'll find the fear of God mentioned. It'll either be the words fear God or fear of God or fear of the Lord. Well, I listed these all out on my computer, and one of the verses, I read them, stood out to me, and it was Psalm 66, verse 16, which is printed on your uh, bulletin as you came in. And it begins with the words, Come and hear, all you who fear God. Come and hear, all you who fear God. Well, those first words, come and hear, reminded me then of what Jesus said in one of his parables. Six times in the Gospels, Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And three of those are in the parable of the sower, which is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then shortly after Luke's account of this parable, Jesus says, Take heed how you hear. Take heed how you hear. Well, let's take a moment now and, and pray before we read the scripture and read this parable. And dear Heavenly Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit be present with us as we read and understand this parable of the sower. Father, remove every distraction that we may all profit from hearing your word. And we know that our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the true healer of souls, is here with us now. For he said, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. Father, open up the ears of our hearts to hear the voice of your Son speak to us through this parable. And we ask this in the name of the blessed Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I was going to read the uh, parable of Matthew, Mark, and Luke according to harmony as I have printed in, or had printed and put it on the back of your bulletin. But I've decided to read it directly from the Gospel of Luke. So if you turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 8. <clears throat> And oddly enough, Luke, which is the longest of the four Gospels, has the shortest account of this parable. And conversely, Mark, which is the shortest of the Gospels, has the longest account of this parable. So turn to Luke chapter 8, and I'll be reading verses 4 through 15, and then I'll read just the first Line of verse 18. Hear God's word. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they came to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. 
and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then the disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who when they have heard go out and are choked with the cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. In verse 18, Jesus says, Therefore, take heed how you hear. The Reformers said that there are three marks to a true church. They likened it to a three-legged stool. If you have a three-legged stool, you can sit on it comfortably. But if you take any one leg out, it's going to topple over. So they likened the church, uh, uh, the true church, had to have three marks in it. And the first mark is the preaching of the word. The second was the proper administration of the sacraments. And the third mark which would be a good sermon topic one day, is discipline, church discipline. But today's message is going to be focused on the first mark, how we hear the word preached. You're all familiar with the Apostle Paul and what he said in Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God preached or taught is the great ordinance that God has appointed for the transfer of spiritual blessings. Do you remember Naaman in the Old Testament? He had leprosy, and yet he was the commander of the army of the king of Syria. The prophet Elijah told him to wash in the river Jordan seven times and he would be healed. But he thought other waters would have been just as good as the waters of the Jordan to heal him. But if God appointed the waters of Jordan to heal him, then rather to heal him rather than other waters, then he must wash in those waters rather than any other. Now because the hearing of the word is the means which God has appointed to reveal himself and to impart faith. Both Matthew, Mark, and Luke record 
this well-known parable of the sower, which Jesus spoke quite early in his ministry. In this parable of the sower, the seed, and the soils, Jesus shows us the different ways in which people respond to the gospel. Now, parables are meant to be simple and usually teach one main lesson using a common subject to illustrate a deeper and valuable moral lesson. In the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 8, verse 10, Jesus explains why he tells parables. Jesus did not tell stories because stories make things clear. He used parables, as he said, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not hear. This quote in the Gospel of Luke is taken from the prophet Isaiah. And what Jesus is saying here in Luke about teaching in parables is that they act like a sieve or a strainer to prevent those who do not have ears to hear to hear. The task of a hearer is to receive the truth taught. And parables function as a vehicle to draw in those in whom God is at work. Now, in each of the parables, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, each of the ones that are recorded, Jesus states the parable and then gives an explanation, making its intended purpose, purpose obvious to all. The sower represents the ministers of the word. The seed that is sown is God's word. And the different soils represent the heart of man. As we go through this parable, you will notice that the seed was all sown at the same time by the same person. And all the seed was equally good seed. The whole difference was in the condition of the ground. So let's look at each of these four kinds of ground on which the seed was, was sown. Pay close attention. One of these four types of ground is speaking of your heart. Well, the first type is, is the seed that fell by the wayside. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air devoured it. Well, this ground represents the heart of a careless or inattentive hearer. The seed which fell by the wayside is on hard ground and trampled by the feet of travelers or devoured by the birds of the air. This person hears the word as others do, but his heart has never been broken up and cultivated by repentance and prayer. He hears the word in a careless and whimsical way, and in no way is he anxious to remember or to put it to good use. Though he hears, he makes no effort to truly comprehend what is said. It makes no lasting impression on him. His mind is often occupied with something else. Instead of reflecting on what is said, he's thinking of something he has seen or done, or maybe he's focusing on some new plan, either for work or pleasure. And he barely pays any attention to what is said. He gains no firm conviction of divine truth, and even if it's given by revelation by God himself. 
Well, the consequences of hearing the word in this way are devastating. In Luke's gospel, as we read, Jesus says, Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. The devil himself does this. When worldly people ridicule the devil, the concept of the devil, they directly oppose the word of God. Our great enemy, the devil, could hardly wish for a greater advantage over us. If he succeeds in leading us to disbelieve his existence, there is no fear of him and there's no protection against him. Remember that Satan, the the power of darkness, is a powerful spirit who has access to our hearts. And though he can hurt only as far as God permits, and he cannot force you to sin, yet he's always looking to take advantage of any opportunity to prevent you from hearing God's word, because he knows that faith comes by hearing. Careless hearers give Satan numerous advantages over them, and little do they think that while they remain lukewarm about the truths of the gospel, that Satan rejoices. He is then quick to inject into their minds a flood of vain and foolish thoughts in order to keep them from listening. He does this by catching the eye or ear or imagination on some object that carries you into a frivolous train of thought. The hateful goal of Satan is to prevent our salvation. As Jesus said in Luke, lest they should believe and be saved. Faith comes by hearing, and salvation is inseparably joined with it. If you brush aside the word of God, you remain in your natural unbelief and shall perish forever. But if you listen carefully and are wide awake, wide awake to the truths being delivered to you, and you weigh them carefully, this is the ordinary way, ordinary means in which God imparts the gift of faith. You would learn of your sinful nature and your danger, and you would be brought to rely simply on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and be filled with joy and peace, and your soul would be eternally saved. Now, the cruel scheme of Satan is to rob you of this happiness. Remember what the Apostle John said, He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth. He is a liar and the father of lies. He desires to imprison our soul in in eternal ruin so that you will be tormented with him forever in hell. And Satan is so filled with hatred that he truly rejoices in your misery. Therefore, be alert to what is said. Meditate on what you hear, and by God's grace you may be saved. Remember what Jesus said in Luke's gospel. The devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. This shows us that in hearing, there is hope that you may be saved. Well, secondly, we have the seed that fell on rocky or stony ground. In the gospel of Mark, 
Jesus says, some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Well, in this part of the parable, Jesus points out to us the heart of a temporary or enthusiastic hearer. This person goes further than the careless hearer, but still stops short of salvation. At first, the word spoken to him is wonderful. The seed is barely sown before it shoots up. It appears to sprout and prosper, but nothing of value is produced. This picture suggests hard and stony ground with very little soil. This is the corrupt and hardened heart of the natural man. He has what Ezekiel calls the heart of stone. There is some good soil mixed in with the stone which allows the seed to begin to develop, but there's no depth to it. This seems to point to those warm, natural feelings when someone first hears the wondrous truths in God's word. Sometimes they may even be tears when these truths are heard. The person gladly welcomes the good news, yet there is nothing permanent. In Luke's account of this parable, Jesus says they believe for a while. There is an immediate approval of the mind to the truth, and they may even profess it before others, but they do not count the cost or difficulty. In Matthew and Mark, their version, Jesus says, they immediately spring up. A quick and sudden belief is not always the most genuine. Perhaps the person is mainly impressed with the one who is speaking, the manner and skill of the preacher. He may have great joy and even show a zeal which far exceeds the humble, meek, and lowly Christian. But without true repentance and other Christian graces that mock the true believer, he takes up a baseless assumption that he is a child of God and vainly imagines that all the promises belong to him. Much like the Pharisees in Matthew's gospel where Jesus said to them, tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom before you. The preaching of the gospel fills this temporary hearer with enthusiastic joy. Without having any conviction of sin, or sin's fatal destructiveness. This type of hearer just described is quite different from the real Christian in several ways. The true Christian receives the word with joy as the temporary hearer does, but his joy comes from a sense of repentance and mourning for sin, and it is followed by the fruits of righteousness, whereas the temporary hearer soon flounders and dwindles away. The seed does not continue to grow to full height, blossom, and bear fruit because it had no root. By nature, when seed is sown and it begins to send out roots, they go deeper and deeper and spread out on every side to draw up moisture and nutrients for the plant. But not when it's on stony ground. The roots cannot shoot down nor spread out, so the plant withers and dies. The temporary hearer 
may be compared to a beautiful flower that is cut from a plant and put into a vase. It will appear beautiful for a few days as if it, as if it was still growing, as if it was still attached to the plant. But before long, it begins to wilt and because, because it has no roots. And the same with the temporary hero. He has no real godliness within, no new heart, no actual understanding of what he heard, no subdued will, no wise judgment. He has nothing that can stand against the scorching sun of temptation, which all true Christians endure on their way to heaven. As Jesus said in Luke, they hear, receive the word with joy, but they have no root, who believe for a while and in a time of temptation fall away. They want a religion without trouble, without shame, and without suffering. And not finding this, they fall away. The excitement and the novelty of this newfound religion soon comes to an end. Their, their enthusiasm evaporates. As quickly as it shoots up, so it quickly withers. They utterly fall away. Now, there are several instances of this falling away in the scriptures. Multitudes followed Christ for the loaves and fishes, but few stuck by him to the end. And in the Gospel of John, when Jesus came to the self-denying part of religion, many said, this is a hard saying. And a few verses later, John records, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. In the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus began his public ministry after being in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights, he entered his hometown of Nazareth, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue and read from the prophet Isaiah. And in Luke chapter 4, he records, all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. But as soon as Jesus began to apply the truth to them, they tried to throw him down over a cliff. Religion is a serious subject. It is not meant to entertain us or to make us feel good. It is a serious matter of life or death. It calls for patient and persevering devotion. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew, he who endures to the end will be saved. But if God has given you sorrow for sin, a fear of falling, a desire to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, a sincere and willing dependence on God's divine grace, a true desire to be holy. All these things set you apart from the temporary hearer and show you that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ. Well, thirdly, we have the seed that fell on the thorny ground. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says, Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked it. Well, this type of soil is the image of the worldly-minded hearer. He has a slim advantage over the first two, and that, that this seed is not devoured as soon as it is scattered, nor does it wither away as soon as it springs up. But it grows for a time. Yet, like the other two, it brings no fruit. They hear the word and receive it, 
Perhaps there's an outward profession of religion, but Jesus tells us there are three things that choke off the success of the word preached. They're found in Mark's account of this parable in chapter 4. Jesus lists those three things as the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Or as Luke records that last one, the pleasures of life. Well, the cares of this world mean all anxiety and concern about worldly things. That applies to those who are rich as well as the poor. It will eat the life out of religion. When the things this, of this world occupy your constant thought and your whole mind is absorbed with them, you cannot profit by hearing the word. They're like thorns in the ground that choke the seed, stealing sunlight and nutrients. Even in the ordinary affairs of life, a person may be led away by these cares. Martha, you remember Martha? She was weighed down with cooking and serving, even when Jesus was in her home preaching, and he scolded her for that. Secondly, Jesus says, the deceitfulness of riches choked the word. Riches do have their value and are among the gifts God entrusts to man. When applied properly and used properly, they're profitable to the owner and to others. But here is their deceitfulness. When we overrate their value and trust in them to bring about our happiness, if we think we can acquire them by our own skill and strength, we're in danger of self-deception. However, if you diligently seek to increase your possessions in an honorable way, without violating your religious character, God may grant your request. And if he does, then keep in mind what Paul said to Timothy. Riches can become a, temp a temptation and a snare and lead you away from the faith, causing you many griefs and sorrows. Remember that gifts, talents, and riches are gifts by God. Or as Rush Limbaugh often said, talent on loan from God. Well, the third thing Jesus lists for choking out the word is the lust for other things. God does not forbid the pleasant enjoyment of the blessings he gives, but the misuse of them. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says, the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. This should remind us of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness and how they complained, saying there is nothing here to eat but this manna, and they cried out for meat. And God gave them meat till it came out of their nostrils. And also in the New Testament, Demas, remember Demas? He deserted the faith because he loved the world more than he loved Jesus. He left Paul in the lurch. He deserted his post. And there's no, rest, no mention of his restoration in the Bible. Accumulating great wealth has been the ruin of many. William Wilberforce once wrote, Affluence hardens the heart. Affluence hardens the heart. He was a Christian and a member of parliament. And in 1791, 
He introduced the first parliamentary bill to abolish the slave trade. And along with his friend and mentor, John Newton, they were successful in doing so. And we read, read sorry, we sang one of John Newton's songs just a little while ago, Amazing Grace. Wilberforce understood the pitfalls of money and power, and he remained faithful to his Savior right to the end. Well, the result of these three things, the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, and the pleasures of this life, is that the word of God is choked. Though this person goes much further in outward religion than the careless hearer or the temporary hearer, nevertheless he ruins his soul, and surely he will lose his life as if he had neglected it altogether. We should not attempt to gain more of the world at the peril of our immortal souls. Heaven with Christ on his throne and all its pure and holy joys is the Christian's ultimate goal and the prize of his high calling and should be the main pursuit of every human being. Well, fourthly, we have the last ground, the good ground. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says, but these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Well, here Jesus describes the heart of a sincere or diligent hearer. It's important to recognize first that before the ground is good and ready for the sower, it must be plowed and prepared for the seed. And so it must be with the heart of man. By nature, all hearts are wicked, rotten, and evil. They are, as the prophet Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. This is the description of the heart of every man. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says, Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. This is the condition of the natural ground everywhere. There must be an entire change. The ground of the heart is made good only by the work of the Holy Spirit, regenerating a man, convicting him of sin, and producing in him true faith and repentance. And God has promised this to those who ask it. Again, Jehovah God, speaking in Ezekiel chapter 36, says, I will sprinkle you with clean water, and you shall be clean. I will give you a new heart, and put a new spirit within you. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. Well, the first great change in a person is to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, which is brought about by the hearing of the word, the word of truth. Many who, upon hearing the word of truth, have, by God's mercy, been awakened and regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now the ground is good. Now the heart is able 
to begin the sanctifying process of accepting it, understanding it, and now able to bear fruit. They see its greatness, they feel its value, they comprehend its truth, and they catch sight of its glory. They obey the word, and they keep it in their memory and bring forth fruit. This is what sets them apart from the others and proves the reality of their religion. Now, the fruit does not come by the power of of man's own will. The genuine fruit of the Holy Spirit is only produced by the power of God's Spirit in the hearts of the children of God. The Apostle Paul reveals what that fruit is in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit is of the same nature as the seed that is sown. And it reveals to us the glories of God. And so it produces reverence, humility, and repentance before him. It shows us Christ crucified for sin and produces good fruit of every sort. Hatred of sin, fear of offending the Holy Spirit, faith in Christ, love to God, and love to fellow man. Wherever the gospel of the grace of God is truly received, it teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we would live righteously and soberly in this present age. Now this fruit is not at once at that very moment perfected. Yet in every case, the fruit is produced to the glory of God. This fruit comes to life with perseverance, patience, and zeal, day by day. Now, others may show fruit for a season, but only the Christian endures and perseveres. With him, there is first the blade, then the ear, and after that, the full ear of corn. There was a gradual growth of plants, and of religion. Storms may rage about you, but they will only strengthen the roots of your high calling in Christ Jesus. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus, speaking of the seed sown on good ground, says it bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty, which is comforting to the believer, evidence of his salvation, prepares him for heaven and for glorifying God who gave his son to die for him. Well, of the four types of soil Jesus defined in this parable, this last one is the only one which illustrates the true picture of salvation. So how do we apply this to our lives? Well, if none of the first three, the wayside, the stony, or the thorny ground hearers, gain a real blessing, Ask yourself, what is the state of those who clearly turn a deaf ear to so great a salvation? A clear and double condemnation rests upon them. Hear the words of our Lord from John's Gospel, chapter 3. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light, because their works were evil. Now, it is not my place to judge you 
as to which of these four types of ground best describes you. But let me judge you as I judge myself. There still remains in me some of the wayside ground where the seed is trampled underfoot and some stony ground where the seed dries up because there's no moisture in the soil and some thorny ground still remains where the seed is choked out. The ground, my heart, which has been plowed and fertilized and somewhat improved, needs more training and discipline. And to put it more candidly, I need more work, more of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. We all need to be more heavenly minded and less earthly minded. We all need more of the Spirit's power in our lives, more faith, more humility, more repentance, and more determination and diligence in hearing God's word. Six times in the Gospels, Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And seven times in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, he who has an ear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is a solemn and emphatic warning that the things heard from God's word are very crucial and consequential. They are and they, they remain of utmost importance and command serious attention. These words of Jesus, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's like him giving a rebuke, saying, why should you have the sense of hearing if you do not use it? Let him who has ears to hear, hear. Or are you like the idol you worship, deaf, blind, and dumb? How can you learn if you turn a deaf ear to these warnings? If you are able to hear, you must, or pay the penalty. If you have ears to hear, listen to the Spirit's warning. One day you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Will he claim you as his own? Or will he say, depart from me? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of our Lord as he opened up this parable to his disciples and now to us, teach and lead us to watch over our hearts as we hear him speak to us through your word. May we hide your word in our hearts that we would live righteousness, righteously and godly in this present age. And we pray this in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.